even when you have the surgery to try to remove it, it's a mess when you go in. I mean, they've likened it to like having bubble gum in your hair. I mean, you cannot, you you know, you can't save the hair. You're basically going to cut a big hunk out. And so, and and there are times where you'd have to remove so much tissue, they end up having to just leave that mesh in there and it's causing, you know, pain and suffering and they just can't, can't get it all out. And the materials that they're using in some of these meshes are just shocking. Well, yeah, it's the polypropylene and then some of the polyester, but it's just products that shouldn't be used in the human body. We've talked about that in the past, um, and it's just it, it, it's just a disaster. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing prioritizing pro- dangerous drug and product cases. Welcome back. Another episode: prioritizing profits, dangerous drug and product cases. Another week, another show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great, great. Good to be here. Good to be with my kiddo. Any uh, eventful news from this last week? Well, let's see. Um, I don't know about eventful. Uh, We got back into our little 52 hike project. Um, Got Finally got hike number 30 after a bit of a hiatus between the crazy heat and then my hip injury. Um, we were a bit behind. So. And when did when did you guys start this? Is this December to December? I mean, you're kind of coming close on time. Yeah, well, we're in trouble. Um, yeah, so it started January 1st. I mean, in theory, you're supposed to do, you know, 52 hikes in a year. But, um, you know, with an injury, it may... I mean, unless we really cram them in. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sacrifices need to be made. I know, I know. He'll have to just carry me, yeah. fireman carry me. What, I mean, he <laughs> should have been when you were injured. Like <laughs> the, the little dog backpacks where you can throw them on the back. I got one for Bruno. He should get one for you too. And then. Okay. Well, I wasn't like injured on the trail. I was okay. injured during my weightlifting situation. Um, but uh, but but it's been difficult. Fair. Fair. I think so. So that's about we've we've got. We did that on Sunday. Uh, it was Fair Weekend in Sonoida, so that was kind of fun. Fair Weekend. Yeah, the Whereabouts? Santa Cruz County Fair. So Ooh. just like, you know, the fair, but a little bit smaller. The fair we've gone to, but quite a bit smaller. I was going to say, for anyone that's not a native sin, uh, Sinoidian, Sinoidian yes. uh, what, is it, what, is, what does the Fair Weekend entail? Well, it's similar to any fair. I mean, they have like the 4-H and they have the, uh, you know, all of the animals that are raised and get prizes and then they have contests for the pies and the jams and oh so all the, the tomatoes and yeah all of that is there uh, because i've seen like the world's biggest pumpkin there's like the big size of pumpkin contest is yeah. there something along those uh, well lines? they you know they they have produce and they get first prize and second prize i mean i don't think the world's largest is going to be happening there so I well know. i wasn't sure i mean <laughs> if it's just flavor based with the jams and the pies can you also just walk up to stands and try their pies no you can't okay, only well, the judges test them yeah, it would be tempting. Yeah, I mean, at least they could, like, make a few bucks. If they're selling the best pie in Senoida, I'm sure people are going to want to buy a piece. Well, buy they're a... not selling it. These are people who make it at home, and yeah. they win the prize, and the rest of us just have to believe that it was really You just awesome. have to imagine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> be jealous. I'd like to experience it myself, make sure it really is the best pie in Senoida. Maybe I need to become a judge. That seems like Well, good. I think that's the way you do it. You have to sign up. Oh, a good, nice but... little side job there. Yeah, so we also watched the um, dog show. There's oh. So the 4-H club has, I guess, a dog club within it, and mm-hmm. they have dogs that are um, supposedly very well-trained to go through these obstacle courses. Yes, yes, I've seen them. You've seen this? Okay, well, we... <laughs> 
<laughs> we watched it. I, was, I think this is the first year that they've done this with, mm-hmm. with this particular 4-H club. Um, but yeah, the dog, it was not impressive, I'll just say. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> well, you know, the dogs were kind of clueless. The kids seemed a little bit clueless. Yeah. Um, yeah. And some of the dogs were just having none of it. They're just running they're around, doing their well, own thing. Well, not really running around, but they weren't sitting when they're supposed to sit. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they'd have to sit and, and the kid would have to like walk around them. They'd have to get them to jump over things and go through things. And some of the dogs were just looking like, what the heck? Yeah. And not, yeah, then no. And yeah. they, they don't even give them treats while they do it. They I mean, you have, I feel like you have to, whenever I've seen like the very competitive ones, I don't know why sometimes I, you know, I'd go down these TikTok rabbit holes or YouTube rabbit holes of like the most competitive dog competitions and Aussie Australian shepherds are usually the go-to. Those are the ones that you see a lot of like the circus tricks or the, yeah. you know, really aerobic kind of, um, highly detailed skilled aerobics that dogs do aussie shepherds they're 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 really good with it but um they always give them little treats whenever they do a little award but i can't imagine being on stage you know working for this the last several months you know you're at home the dog does everything they need to you go up on stage (laughs) you're in front of hundreds of people you try to pull it off and the dog just doesn't listen Well, that's exactly what happened. Only there weren't hundreds of people. There's like 20 people. Oh, still. 30 people. Yeah. Even worse. Then you can actually see their face. Their face <laughs> oh, of disappointment. I mean, we, were right, I mean, we were sitting right in the front yeah. row and some of these kids were just so frustrated. I kind of felt bad for them. I'm sure. And yeah. then you got people in the back you screaming boo and well, there throwing was... tomatoes on stage. God. Oh no! But then there was like a couple of dogs in the audience, and so of course then the dogs were like, "Hey, what's going on?" And, oh yeah! And then the dogs in the audience are like, oh, "I could do way better than that." Chaos kinda, broke out. Well, there was no chaos actually, but <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of inspired me. I was like, "Oh, do you think Ava and Bauer could do this?" No <laughs> shot. No <laughs> shot. I'm surprised if you get them to to sit still while you go around a corner, let alone walk a full circle around them. And... Other dogs around. Food. Well, we've got some work to do. I mean, if there's the best pines in Yoida in the vicinity, oh, I mean, all bets are off. Oh yeah, if there's food, it's it's gone for sure. Well, that sounds like a good time. Honestly, I feel like some of those smaller town um, fairs would be more fun to a certain extent. I've never been a big fair guy, mostly because of the rides, and the rides always kind of concern me because you know they're thrown up in a day or two. Yeah, and I mean they are massive. You go super high up. Seem very risky. I didn't think of it as a kid, but you know, as I started growing up, I was like, "Wow, these seem pretty unsafe." Well, yeah, and then the operators tend to not look like the most trustworthy people. Yeah, I you mean, wonder if they're the same ones that put them together and made sure all the screws were tight. No, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, they're college kids that are just got off. Yeah, these uh, are not college kids. These no. are <laughs> no trained professionals over here. Well, I would say more like carnies, like you know. Well, they do it for a living. They're professionals. They are actual <laughs> professionals at it. That makes sense. I would feel better about it. Profession that probably most people do not aspire to, but yeah. Well, that sounds like a good weekend. Yeah, good. Mine wasn't nearly as eventful. Had uh, some brunch, mimosas, drunk monk, fantastic place in Scottsdale. Highly recommend it. Um, elephant in the room. Yes, I did get a haircut. Uh, <laughs> if anyone's listening and you can't see it, just imagine a devilish, devilishly handsome, uh, half white, half Mexican young adult, and uh, there I am. Uh, he did cut a little too much, a little too much. He would, because it's, it had been a while since I'd gotten a haircut, and he was going at it, and he was cutting, and he was cutting, and I kind of, you know, I like to I doze off, or I kind of <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't like talking to my hairdresser. I know a lot of people do, or the, I guess it's a barber, because it's a guy. Um, 
no, I just kind of uh, zone out. And then I zone back in. He's like, oh, that was a lot of hair. And I look in the mirror. I'm like, yeah, wow, you did. That is a lot of hair that you took off there. <laughs> well, I think it looks really good. And your hair grows pretty quickly too. So it does. And I didn't, a little bit longer. I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I was thinking about growing it out, getting some some luscious locks, maybe a, a slight perm. And not the perm, the cringy, you know, really curly like one. Like the 1980s. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. I was thinking like very wavy. Just a quick wave. Uh, but it's a big commitment, and um, you, when you grow out your hair that long, you kind of have to commit, especially as a guy, you have to commit to like a few months of just not looking good, where the sides are just going to be awkwardly, uncomfortably long, you can't style it, it sticks out too much, and, and, then, and then eventually it gets to a good uh, stage, but until then, it's rough. All right. Well, I think I, I think the long, luscious locks sounds kind of good. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, now I got to commit an extra few months to it after this most recent uh, ordeal with the barber. But it's okay. We're back at it. I feel clean, clean shaven, ready, ready for the show. Very good. Well, the other elephant in the room is I did get my eyebrows waxed. <sighs> I was gonna say something. I didn't know if you wanted me to mention it. <laughs> Always important. I got another trip coming up. It was time. Yeah, it's time. It's time. You gotta, you gotta look out for those little things. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, well, we should probably hop into the show. Um, start where we always start. Updates on cases. Cases. All right. Always updates on cases. Um, one case that we talked about um, several weeks ago involved um, a lawsuit against Walmart over huffing from um, these air cans. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's this product that you use to like clean uh, computer keyboards and that sort of thing. Um, and it's called Dust Off. I don't know if you remember us talking about that. Yeah, it's uh, well, because I, I remember Whip It, you know, where yeah. you could use the whipped cream and kids used to do that to get a little bit of a buzz going. Uh, but this is a little bit more hardcore. You go to Walmart, you buy this full <laughs> canister of it, and people were buying it and, and using it to uh, get a little buzz. Yeah, apparently getting a big buzz. So it's called Dust Off, um, manufactured by Falcon. And so what happened is I, a, this individual um, was huffing the stuff and driving, and he was really high, and he caused an accident um, with a woman and killed her. And so it was a wrongful death case. They sued the manufacturer of the product, saying that they knew that, that people use this to get high and that it's dangerous and there aren't warnings. And then also Walmart, the, the, who, who sold the product. And we've talked before about the chain of, uh, chain of commerce. Yeah. Um, so sued both of them. And the case is still going on against the manufacturer, but Walmart settled wow. out. Right. And it's for an undisclosed amount. Mm-hmm. So we do not know how much. And that happens sometimes. Um, oftentimes the defendant wants a non-disclosure. Um, and usually, I mean, there could be a variety of reasons for that. But oftentimes, you know, if they settle for a lot, they don't want people to know that because yeah. they don't want it to, to look like an admission on their part that maybe they were at fault if they're still saying that they were not. Well, other people might be incentivized if they see a big paycheck to, you know, find another product. Well, yeah, or or just you know pursue these types of cases, or think that okay, well they're if they've paid on this one, yeah. then they're going to pay any time this kind of situation comes up. So undisclosed amount, we don't know how much it is, um, but the case is still moving forward against the manufacturer of the product, and this was um, a really um, sad 
situation. And, and I don't think we talked about before, but the actual driver. And of course, everybody's like, well, it's the dr- primarily the driver's fault. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the driver had, I'm sure, not significant insurance. Whatever insurance they had would have been collected. Um, but criminally speaking, he was sentenced to 35 years in prison. Wow. Um, right. So second degree murder and then also child endangerment because he had his five-year-old daughter in the car with him. Even I mean, worse. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, bad stuff. Um, but, it, you know, it's an interesting theory, an interesting argument. And so we'll have to see how it comes out against the manufacturer mm-hmm. um, claiming that it's, you know, it's an unreasonably dangerous product. Again, you're supposed to be spraying your keyboards with it. You're not supposed to be huffing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is is, uh, is stronger than some of the other products out there. I think it's like 99% um, of, the, of the chemical, which is difluorethane. And isn't, I mean, I know you mentioned that they wanted a non-disclosure agreement signed so it doesn't look like an admission of guilt, but isn't settling already kind of an admission to guilt that Walmart didn't know that this product had, uh, it was stronger with with, uh, with how they were using it? Well, it, not necessarily. Um, anytime that a defendant settles, and even if it's not, you know, if it's an, a disclosed amount, even if it's very public, like yeah. billions of dollars, they'll still say, we are not admitting fault. And what the argument they'll make is that they'll say, you know, we're just trying to in this, it costs them a lot of money to hire attorneys. Uh, sometimes it can affect their stock prices while these things are pending. And so their argument is that we didn't do anything wrong, but just a cost of doing business. And it's going to cost us too much time and waste too much time and energy mm-hmm. um, defending the cases. So, and in a case where they don't disclose the amount, it could be like some minimal amount. And sometimes, Sometimes as a plaintiff's attorney, you know, there are str- there's a strong case and a weak case, and you may let the weak case out for, you know, whatever you can get, yeah. feeling like maybe you won't be successful at trial. Um, and Yeah, I mean, those are, it seems like those are kind of like PR responses to it of, you know, this is just too much effort for us. But I would imagine, you know, if it really was a case that they knew that they could win and they have the funds to pursue it, you know, why wouldn't they? And then on top of that, if it is a very small amount, why have a non-disclosure agreement in the first place? Because if anything, that might, uh, you know, keep people away from doing that same thing if they know there's just not that much money in it for them. True, true. Because, I mean, with it, with it, not knowing, you let the imagination run. It could yeah. be $10, it could be $10 million. Right. Who knows? Well, and, and Walmart, quite frankly, I'm sure has a lot of attorneys on staff yeah. and can't afford to fight these things if they choose exactly. to. So, so, you know, you may be right that maybe it's a, a very significant amount um, and too good for, for the, the plaintiff to pass up settling part of it. Um, You know, there is a downside when you have more than one defendant and you settle out with one of them because you're still going to go to trial. Now you've got that empty chair defense. And so everybody wants to point at the empty chair and blame the other, that party. And ultimately at trial, suppose that they were aboard a huge amount, but they say 95% of it or 85% of it or whatever goes to the empty chair. Well, you can't collect any more than you've already collected. Yeah. When I was reading this, it reminded me of a situation that actually happened at, uh, at our firm a few years ago. And I don't think I mentioned this when we talked about the case the last time about the employee who decided she was going to spray herself with something I don't know if it was this brand but mm. the computer cleaner you know because it's like freezing cold yeah so she was she was hot in the office and she... well no actually she thought it would be cool to spray her nipple oh okay yeah that sounds really exciting <laughs> cool. 
<laughs> she was hilarious. This woman was really, really funny. Yeah, she sounds like a real prankster, <laughs> a real jokester over here. But I mean, what the hell? So anyway, she does this, and then she went and told the office manager because um, kind of burned her, um, and she, she was fine. She didn't require medical treatment or anything along those lines. But then she was joking around about how it was going to be this big workers' compensation claim. I was like, all right, <laughs> too far, too far. Come on. Well, I mean, it's the course and scope. It's not like she accidentally did it. I mean, you know, she wasn't like working topless yeah. and cleaning her, <laughs> yeah, I mean, cleaning her her keyboard. And the next thing you know, it wasn't a expected risk, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so this product is it being taken off Walmart shelves now? That I don't know. Because uh, I feel no like in- if they're if they're settling this, then they would have to know. And unless they leave it up, then wouldn't that leave the door open for more people to abuse it and then more cases to come up? Well, I think people, the people who are abusing it are not the people who are generally going to be filing the lawsuit. It's going to be people who are potentially, like in this case, somebody abused it, caused the accident, Uh, and then the victim of that accident is bringing the lawsuit. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I will check into that and see. I mean, perhaps they're warning about, or maybe they are removing that. I mean, there are other brands that are less potent. That's a possibility. Or maybe they're putting some warning on the shelf. Well, it would be interesting if they continue to sell it because like you said, there's other brands that do the exact same thing. So it would make me think that they would want to leave it on the shelves because they know it sells so much more, you know, probably because it's being used in nefarious ways. Uh, 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 maybe uh, a little bit of a stretch. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they don't know why, but man, this one's just flying off the shelves. Flying the other off ones. the shelves. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, definitely kind of interested to hear how that plays out with uh, the second defendant, right? Because it, mm-hmm. the, actual the actual manufacturer, manufacturer yeah, itself, yeah. I want to hear how, if yeah. they um, are held responsible and if there's any evidence of them kind of knowingly uh, or being uh, having known that it would have these effects and that it could be abused to this extent and so much more so than their competitors right. and maybe doing that intentionally. Well, right, because maybe the fact that it's so much stronger is why it sells better, so they're making more money. And yeah. if they made it you know, safer and less potent, it would probably still clean products. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like all their competitors, but who knows? Who, who knows? knows, yeah. Maybe it just so. cleans that much better. <laughs> Uh, that's an, that's an interesting one. What uh what other updates do we have? So um, Ozempic again is back in the news, and uh, you know I'm, I'm assuming we're going to hear a lot about this. There's just it's just out there so much. So many people are using it. So many people are crazy about it. Um, and we had talked before about the stomach paralysis and the fact that the food doesn't empty from the stomach. It takes yeah. a really long time. And so anytime you have anesthesia, it's become a big issue because they always tell you not to eat or drink anything prior to the surgery. That's because they don't want you to aspirate and potentially die during surgery. So um, the there was a, a debate about uh, with anesthesiologists, well, what do we do? Do we stop the drug for seven days? And now they're saying, you know, we don't even know if seven days is going to be long enough. Wow. So food is staying in the stomach for seven days. Oh, yeah. Sometimes longer. I mean, how is it not just rotting and going bad? Well, yeah. that's an issue, too. That I mean, think how nasty that is. Yeah, it has to be. And also, I mean, I know that there's a lot of, um, I, don't know, I always hear this, I don't know the fact behind it. I'm not a scientist here, but the, your stomach enzymes affect and regulate so much more of your body than, than we know. Oh, yeah, the gut biome. Yeah, the yeah, gut that's biome a big, is big topic. massive. And so having weak old food sit in there, I can't imagine the effect that it would have on, on your gut biome and then therefore, you know, your entire body. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and it's it, it's a problem for sure. Um, so what they're saying now is that a lot of the anesthesiologists are just saying, you know what, if I have a patient that's on Ozempic, we're just going to intubate them. And so they're in, um, it's where they actually put the tube down their throat. Um, and, and this is, so for a major surgery, you would do that. So you're yeah. actually, um, you know, it's the machine is breathing for you. Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, so so that, that was my confusion. What's the big difference? So in, 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 when you're under anesthesia, you have the mask on and you're inhaling it and you're asleep, um, but you continue to breathe by yourself. And you're, right. And you're inhaling it compared to... Well, it's a much... Yeah. And, and that's done for minor procedures. Like if you think about like a colonoscopy, for example, yeah. I mean, you're not intubated for that. I mean, that's a big, serious thing where you're in a hospital, generally speaking. These other procedures, um, colonoscopies, endoscopies, breast biopsies, these types of things, yeah. I mean, they're relatively minor procedures and they don't need to do that. But now they're concerned that people are going to aspirate. Yeah. And so they're intubating people for even really minor procedures. And there are risks with intubation. I mean, yeah. you can damage your throat. You can, uh, they break teeth. There's all kinds of Jesus. things that can, can happen. Um, so it's, you know, it's increasing the risk of the surgery. It's increasing the expense of the surgery, the length of time you might be hospitalized. Um, it's, you know, just another, an, another problem going along with this. You know, and again, it's one of these things where they don't know it's is a new medication and all of these different angles of how it affects you um, come up. And, and um, so this is, you know, this is another one. Well, what's even scarier too is like you said, it's, it's a new issue. So I wouldn't be surprised if not every anesthesiologist knows about it. You know, these are the ones that are aware that they know to ask and they know to keep an eye out for it. And then if they see it, then, you know, then they can go to the plan B. Right. But I'm sure there's a lot of them that have no idea that this is even a risk and they're continuing with what the usual 24 hours of no eating, maybe 48, something like that. Or even, yeah, sometimes even less. Sometimes it's the midnight, the midnight yeah. before kind of thing. Yeah. I think that, that, Right now, because it is a hot topic and it's in the news, um, it is a topic of discussion. And so probably they're becoming more and more aware of it. But at the very beginning, until they started seeing these problems, and and it it came up because there were incidents where somebody, they they did aspirate and then... They were like, what the heck? Yeah. No, we haven't eaten for two days. And it turns out that it's because they were on Ozempic. So now that's an, a question that they're absolutely going to be asking. They always ask about medications you're mm-hmm. on, um, but that's going to be a really important one. Yeah. And I wonder too, because a lot of the Ozempic abuse that we've been seeing, right? This, the reason that's such a hot topic is that people are using it for aesthetic reasons, right? Not because they actually need the drug. It's because they're looking to lose weight. And so I'm wondering if there's also a connection with, you know, plastic surgery. Surgery because those are also the type of procedures that you would need anesthesia, an, an anesthesiologist, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you wouldn't be uh, intubated for it. And so, yeah. you know, if those things line up at all, then that would be interesting. Yeah. yeah. And uh, although I would hesitate to maybe say abuse because technically these people are getting it prescribed by the doctor, although sometimes some med spas, they're getting it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, if they're using it, even if it's getting prescribed, if it's getting prescribed for the wrong reasons or yeah. under the counter and knowingly not, you know, correctly, that's still yeah. abuse. Yeah. Well, and then, but the Wagovi actually is specifically for weight loss. Yeah. 
but yeah, I mean, but I agree with you. I mean, it's the, 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 the gist of it is that the, the, it's not being taken for uh, type 2 diabetes. It's being taken for aesthetic purposes. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, I, and like you said, I think we are going to be seeing a lot more of it. It is kind of a hot button topic, the Hollywood drug. And yeah. now that it's kind of out there, I think there's a lot more kind of everyday citizens looking for an easy, quick fix. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they can't get it. It's just, you know, everybody wants it. Um, and, and along those lines, another issue with it is its effect on people who are seniors or people 65 and over, because mm-hmm. when they were doing all of the testing, they did not include people, um, they did not include older people in this in the studies. And so they're saying that um, we don't know how it affects them. However, um, some of the problems that, that could come up are the fact that when, when we're older, and I'm, getting, I'm getting a little bit close to these ranges, <laughs> when you're older, you start losing muscle mass mm-hmm. um, and you can become more frail. And so when people lose weight really quickly, um, that can uh, you know really worsen those effects. Yeah. And they can lose a lot of muscle. And for older people, when they need to lose weight, the way to do it is very slowly making absolutely sure that you're getting enough protein mm-hmm. and also... Um, combining that with with weight bearing exercises to you know continue to keep your your muscle mass yeah. what you have because we you know we're automatically losing it and so when you do something like this where it's really dramatic fast weight loss and you're not eating very much who's yeah. who's to say that you're getting all of the nutrients and, and that you need oh, yeah so, I mean even if you are eating it if it's sitting in your stomach for a week plus you're not getting those nutrients right it's not breaking down it's not going into your body if you eat a, well, that's true too. Yeah. You know, you have a ton of protein in your stomach. It's not getting into the places it needs to if it's just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't know how it affects older adults, but we know that a lot of people are trying to um, access it. And so again, that's just one other, one other issue that, that may well be coming up, um, you know. Yeah. And is this, uh, because I know it is a diabetes drug, that's kind of the primary use for it. And I know diabetes is really common in, in the elderly. Is this a drug that is commonly used by elderly? Well, I, I, I don't know that it's, I mean, it's, it's new, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think more people are looking for this drug as opposed to other, there's always diabetes meds and you always see those yeah. advertised, but this one I think is, has a certain appeal because, you know, as they say, you may lose weight and then on TikTok, you will lose a shit ton of weight. Well, I can't so, imagine a 70, 80 year old kind of being like, Oh, give me the one that I lose a few pounds on. Well, but you know, say 65 and they're, you know, and they're still out in the field, you know, roaming. I don't know. Maybe they're widowed widowers and they're looking for round two and I mean, on the dating sites, Tinder. And... Apparently, geriatrics are some of the most sexually active. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember we talked about this with the pineapple. Did we? <laughs> <laughs> totally forgot. Well, Christina worked in a nursing home and she, yeah. you know, she definitely mentioned it and heard rumors of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't know that. I mean, I know she worked at the nursing home, but yeah. there was really activity going well, on. Well, I think it's just, I don't know if it's, I think it is factual, but I don't know if it's something that's kind of blown out of proportions because it's so interesting and surprising. Um, but I think anyone that kind of works around elderly, you kind of have this thought of like, wow, I wonder what they do when the sun goes down. You know, how crazy, especially a retirement home, how crazy do things get over here? 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I haven't really thought about that too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, that's a good update on Zepic. I'm definitely curious to hear more from it because, uh, you know, we mentioned this the first time we brought it up is that with a drug like this that wasn't being used that often or by that many people originally, with the higher usage of it, there's going to be more problems that come up. And of those problems, like the food just hanging out in the stomach, no one really knows what's going to happen. No one knows, yeah. you know, how to deal with it or the effects on the body and so i'm sure there's going to be more updates of you know some of the conditions that are already coming up but even more conditions that it causes yeah yeah definitely and then we're, we're we've been following it from the beginning and mm-hmm. we'll kind of see where it goes and we've been uh talking about a lot of the cases that we've been handling always got a nice little section on it is there any updates or um just more information on some of the cases that we are handling well so what we're focusing on today um is is hernia mesh again and we have spoken about it a couple of times and a couple of the different products that are out there but the real key that i wanted to address this time uh, is just the timing that these cases, they've been going on for over five years. Um, we are coming up on another bellwether trial in October. Um, and then if, following that one, there'll be another one at the beginning of 2024. And these cases were, it looked like they were going to be settling about a year and a half ago. Um, but it's kind of a hot topic now because with the 3M earplug situation, that case settled, as we talked about, and all of a sudden people are coming out of the woodwork and they're saying, wait a minute, I want to be a part of this, and it's too late to do that. Um, and so, and we've had a lot of people calling, well, why didn't I know about this? And mm-hmm. well, yeah, I did know about that, and I started filling out the paperwork, but I never completed it, um, but I want to complete it now. And the problem with that is that if you wait too long, it potentially can be too late. And with the hernia mesh cases, this is a product that so many people have. I mean, it is a really common surgery. So many people have hernia meshes and this mesh, it can break down, degrade in the body and cause all kinds of problems and uh, and, and usually requiring additional surgeries. So it's just, it's imperative that if you have one of these cases that you contact somebody sooner rather than later, Mm -hmm. because there will be a cutoff date and, you know, and, and, and then we'll be getting all the calls saying, wait a minute, wait, 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 I want to get in on the settlement. And unfortunately, we, we will not be able to, to help them at that point. Well, and this is a massive one. You know, I, yeah. I, I know it's been going on for a really long time. And it's not just one type of hernia mesh. There's a lot of different brands that right. are causing these issues. And some of these issues, you know, there, there are some really, really bad ones. And then there's some, you know, on both sides of the scale. But some of them take a long time to come up. Yeah, well, that's, so that's the interesting thing, too, because you have the surgery, and you heal fine, you recuperate fine, you go back to work, you go back to your life. Uh-huh. So it's not something that you know right away there's a problem. Mm-hmm. But then the product starts to break down in your body. Mm-hmm. And so it's never right away. If it's right away, then it's probably, it's more likely a problem with the surgery, with a, a surgical infection, something like that. It's probably not the product. Yeah. The product, it's going to take months to even years mm-hmm. before you really start experiencing these side effects. And they're really nasty. I mean, people have chronic pain. They end up with these infections as it starts to break down and cause inflammation. And they can perforate 
great organs. Yeah, I know one of the worst ones you mentioned is how it kind of entangles, entangles with the organs and muscles and everything in there because, I mean, it's just put in there to hi- kind of hold everything up, right? Maintain right. its spot. But when it starts breaking up, that same material right. starts just getting stuck in places it, it, it shouldn't be. Right. And then even when you have the surgery to try to remove it, it's a mess when you go in. I mean, they've likened it to like having bubble gum in your hair. Jeez. I mean, you cannot, you, you know, you can't save the exactly. hair. You're yeah. basically going to cut a big hunk out. And so, and, and there are times where you, you'd have to remove so much tissue, they end up having to just leave that mesh in there and it's causing, you know, pain and suffering and they just can't, can't get it all out. And the materials that they're using in some of these meshes are just shocking. Well, yeah, it's the polypropylene and then some of the polyester, but it's just products that shouldn't be used in the human body. We've talked about that in the past, um, and it's just it, it, it's just a disaster. So, you know, this case has been going on for a while, and that's one of the reasons it's important to reach out as soon as possible, and definitely you know, not wait till last minute is because there are you might be having problems that you don't realize are connected, or um, you know, there's signs that you will have problems in the future. But once this is settled, or once that cutoff happens, what if someone gets hernia mesh that is involved in this case or that, you know, the product is involved in this case and then ends up having problems afterwards. I mean, they didn't even have a chance to get into the case. Does that ever happen? Or? Yeah, it does. And, and it's not that they cannot pursue a claim, but they they wouldn't be able to participate in that global settlement. Uh, I so see, I see. they could file an individual lawsuit and, and proceed with that, you know, against the manufacturer of their mesh. But it is a, a much more time-consuming, yeah. expensive process. And so it really only makes sense for very, very severe injuries because you're uh-huh. going to spend so much money getting to that point, getting to the trial. And so your reward needs to be significant enough that you can, you know, reimburse all of those costs and still have it make sense and the attorney's fees and still have it make sense for you. Um, And so one thing that a lot of people don't know about the kind of the way that these global settlements work is that, um, you know, people are signing up cases, they're, you know, representing clients for years as this goes on, some of the trials are happening. And then this global settlement comes, comes up. And it's usually they're usually different categories. And each case is a value within Uh whatever structure they've developed in that particular settlement. Um, and, And people can choose not to participate in the settlement um, if, if they want to take their case out, have it sent back to their home court and litigate it, they can do that. Um, but if you aren't in and the cutoff happens, you can't get in. And when, um, so for example, a, a law firm who maybe has a hundred, several hundred or however many cases they have, um, they have to agree at the cutoff time that they won't take additional cases. Mm. And so those firms, you know, again, they need to look out for the clients that they do have. Yeah. And their deal is that they're not going to sign up additional clients. So that can really affect your ability to get an attorney at that point. That makes sense. And these are the law firms that have the most experience. They know what to do. They know how, you know, they just know how it all works. And so they're the ones that you would want on your side, but you won't be able to after that that date. Right, right. I mean, and there have been shenanigans. <laughs> there was one story years ago about um, an attorney and his wife, who was also an attorney, then formed her own law firm. Oh, yeah. That's like <laughs> it was the, convenient uh, timing because all of a sudden now she's still signing in the cases in, in a different thing, of course. It's not hurting much that was settling. Um, so they were kind of, but I mean, you don't want to be caught up in something in something like that. It's like that. the Texas two-step, but on the, on the other um, side I of the know, table. On the wrong side. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
so yes, you still could potentially bring a case if it's within the statute of limitations, which is another time limit. And again, yeah. another reason why you need to contact somebody sooner, not later, because you may just not even have a case period in a global settlement or outside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but once these, and for a lot of people, these settlements make the most sense. I mean, if they had, you know, even pretty significant injuries, um, they're still going to get a good compensation and they're not going to have to go through depositions. They're not going to have to go through trials. Um, and they're not going to have that risk of potentially losing a trial because yeah. some of these case, cases are defense verdict. There's no question about that. Well, and it makes sense too is that, I mean, this whole reason that mass torts exist, right, is because when there are victims of the thousands, of the hundred thousand, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, whatever it is, these large numbers, it makes sense for both sides to kind of put it all together. And it's beneficial for both sides. It's easier yeah, yeah. For, for the defense and it's easier for the prosecution as well. Um, you know, kind of being left out on a raft by yourself later down the line, it, like you said, it is going to be incredibly difficult and sometimes not even make sense, even if you do have some serious injuries. And the same injuries that you may have down the line uh, that you could get a payout from this this first one, right? This original mass tort, everyone together, you might not be able to get it down the line. It just doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's more cost effective and efficient for both sides. Yeah. I mean, that's really why the whole system um, works, why it was created, why it works. Um, well, we'll see. And I think it's important for people to reach out to because, uh, you know, even if you aren't having problems, what's wrong with going to get it checked out? If I knew that there was something that had these potential risks in my body, even if I wasn't already experiencing it, but knew that there was, you know, this entire process that has been going on for several years, I'd want to take a look. I want to, you know, double check just to be sure so I don't have issues, you know, in another year, another two years. Well, and some people, even when they've come to us, they've said, you know, I mean, well, how long was this bothering you? Well, it's been bothering me for a couple of years, but it just wasn't that bad. And then it got worse and then it got worse. And then finally I got to the point and I went to the doctor. But again, if you know, that you have a product that has potential problems and you're having any symptoms, get those checked out sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not going to go unless I'm excruciating pain. And, yep. you know, but, but again, even aside from a lawsuit, forget about that. When, by the time you get to excruciating pain, you may have some horrible infection. Yeah. And these infections can go septic and people have died. So you do not want to, you don't want to wait. You don't want to mess around with this kind of stuff. And like you, you mentioned that there are two cases that are upcoming, two bellwethers. And these are going to be, I mean, these are going to be a pretty big deal, right? Because, I mean, these are going to help decide kind of the, the next steps for both sides. And and this has been something that's been going on for years and years. So a lot of people have been prepping for this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and again, the bellwethers, what they do is it, it gives both sides an idea of what a jury will do with these types of cases, yeah. how they see the liability, how pissed off they are if there's punitive damages awarded, that's a huge mm-hmm. thing, and then how they're valuing them. You know, what kind mm-hmm. of range of verdict are, are we looking at. It's like a case study just for yeah, actual yeah. cases. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it is. I mean, and, 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 you know, the test case, I mean, that's, yeah. that's what it is. And so, and the, and, and the, the whole selection process is designed to make sure that they are choosing representative cases mm-hmm. and there are usually different categories and that they're choosing cases that represent the different categories so that yeah. both sides get a good idea. This type of case is going to get a verdict in this range, this uh-huh. type of case in this other range. And then that's the information get that, that gets used when they're crafting this global settlement. Yeah. And so, so that's something I didn't really realize is when I imagine bellwethers, you're just putting, I, I thought it would be something where you're putting the worst of the worst out there, right? You want the highest settlement so you get the highest settlement for everyone. But it makes more sense that there's kind of different levels to it because that's how it actually is. 
is. There's going to be different levels and everyone's yeah. going to kind of fit in those different levels. And so to have a variety of different cases, you get a better idea across the board. Yeah. Well, and actually it, it, to get to get a little bit more into that, the, the process, and again, it varies from case to case and the judge decides how they're going to do this. But a lot of the times, you know, both sides know what the cases are and they, the judge will say, okay, defense, you, you propose four cases, plaintiffs, you propose four cases, and I'll just randomly pick four cases. So the defense, looks through and they look at the cases that they think are the crappiest cases, that they're most likely that they're going to get a defense verdict. Mm -hmm. And there are always those cases. There are the cases where they have a million other problems and there's other things that could have caused this or they were doing something ridiculous. I mean, it's a very gray area. Or just some of them are really shitty cases. I mean, like I think I told you about the one case that was involving uh, joint infections. And, you know, we look at the medical records and this woman had been shooting heroin into her thigh. And, And now she has an infection in her knee. So, you you know, again, and and here's the other. <laughs> there's so many aspects of this, but some law firms will just file anything and everything, and they don't even look at it just to get their numbers up. Hmm. And there are different reasons they want a lot of numbers too. They yeah. might want to try to get into the man, into the uh, leadership, that sort of thing. But so, so there are bad cases that get filed, and in all of these, you know, we, in these group discussions, it's always like, don't file bad cases, don't file bad cases. It hurts everybody, yeah. and it doesn't help your client. Your client's going to be disappointed too if they have a bad case. Tell them the bad case, don't file it. And people still do it. And they still do it. And so, so the defense is going to pick those. And and potentially, if that goes as a bellwether, there may be a defense verdict. Yeah. The plaintiffs are going to pick, you know, again, those really huge, the death cases, the horrible, awful, you know, lifelong injury cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the judges are pretty clear. You don't want only the great cases because not all of the cases in the inventory are great. Yeah. So, so you do want the variety. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. It kind of comes down to the judge just randomly choosing it because, I mean, they're, if, I'm sure if you look at the cases, you're going to be able to cl- tell pretty clearly which side brought it to the table. I wonder if it's something like picking a, a name out of a hat type random. Well, actually, what they'll do is they'll say, you know, you, defense, you give us four cases that you want. Yeah. Plaintiff, you give us four cases. And then they'll select another four kind of randomly. Uh, no, oh, so so the judge will select yeah, another four. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then they'll usually go like plaintiff pick, defense pick. You know, they'll switch back and forth. It's like a draft. <laughs> it's a really complicated situation. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the thing is, is that in this situation, in this hypothetical, there's 12 cases, but it's representing thousands, tens of thousands, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of, yeah, of, of plaintiffs yeah. and victims. And that is just so crazy to me that 12 cases, you know, randomly being chosen out of a hat, some very specifically, some, you know, not so specifically, are having such a massive effect on, on kind of everything. They, yeah, they are. And, and, but it's not, so that might be, say, the first round, yeah. but there may be other rounds and other rounds if they don't settle the cases. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. like back in the ASR HIP days, I mean, they just tried case after case after case after case. Um, and then there are other times where the cases are getting worked up and they don't even get to trial and the defense is like, okay, let's get this. <laughs> all next. right, all right, we get it. <laughs> we'll give you what you want. I know, that's the really good ones. But yeah, I can tell you that is not happening here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the, the big uh, the big one, the Bard, that's the one where we have the two more um, bellwethers coming up. It is also the most uh, the most common product. More people have have the Bard than anything else. Um, and then a lot of people don't know what product was used. They yeah. just know their doctor said, we're going to fix you up with a mesh. They do. Um, that's information we can get for you. It's worth checking out. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a sticker. 
Yeah, it's, so it's the yeah, it's the product. Uh, yeah, the the product sticker. Um, but the surgeon would have that information. We can get that information. Um, definitely get it get it checked out. Well, I think that's why it's it's so important for people to reach out to because I mean, who who knows what hernia mesh is is going in? Unless you're a doctor or your attorney and you are aware of some of these issues, an everyday citizen is not going to ask those questions, and and they shouldn't have to. To be no. fair, they really shouldn't have to. Uh, but reaching out to attorney, which costs free, they'll look into it for you and and see what's going on. Um, and and going back real quick, so with the two bellwether cases. On both of them, are there going to be cases that are randomly chosen out, or is each bellwether case one of the ones that were randomly? It's chosen? one of the ones that were chosen okay. out. It was yeah. so, and, and because they pick them and then they start the the case specific discovery. Yeah. So you know, all of the cases that were filed, they filed the complaint, and then we have to file certain paperwork, giving information, provide medical records. Mm-hmm. But there's not there's not depositions of doctors or the plaintiff. Any yeah. of that doesn't happen until a case is getting chosen for trial, and then it gets mm-hmm. worked up for trial. So. Once they pick out that group of cases, all of those they start doing all of the pretrial work, yeah. um, and then sometimes those cases do get they get dismissed. They don't like it. Um, yeah, what happens if you know there's one of the defense cases are picked and it's just one of those really shitty ones that you know some random attorney put in there? Is everyone in the leadership kind of throw their hands up and they're like, "Oh shit"? We Actually, no, they don't throw their hands up. What they do is they call the attorney who filed it and they're like, "Look, this is going to mess up for everybody. You're, you know, you can't win this case. You know, blah blah blah." Holy. And so sometimes, well, it, uh, fairly often there are cases that are dismissed. Yeah. Yeah, and that, but and there are a variety of reasons there might too. Sometimes by the time you get there, say the clients died, yeah. and the case is not you know as good of a case anymore. It depends on um, the state you're in and mm-hmm. what the law is. Um, if they didn't die as a result of it, that's not a wrongful death claim. Like in mm-hmm. Arizona, your pain and suffering dies with you. So oh now, well, yeah, I, I mean, I've had that. cases. Oh yeah, so I've had cases like that where you know it's a good case, but then the client dies from something else, like a cancer or something. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it. Um, and then all you can collect are the medical bills. And then you have to pay the medical bills back to the insurance company, most of them. Yeah. And so the case is just not viable to proceed with. Well, and the phrase, uh, the pain and suffering dies with you. I mean, <laughs> it, it's accurate, but it's just so <laughs> awful to think about when it comes to, you know, yeah. legal and, and kind of uh, return of it yeah. idea. That's just, that's crazy to me. Well, but if you think about it, the person, the, the person who suffered, who had the pain and suffering, now is dead, so you can't give them money to make up for the pain and suffering. So then yeah. you would be giving their family. Um, Which, I mean, oftentimes the, the family's taking care of them while they're in that pain and suffering. And Yeah, and so and there are states where it, where they, the family can collect the pain and suffering. And so it depends on what state you're in. Uh, and, you know, so all of these things come into play. But there are times where by the time you get ready to get this case to Bellwether, it's not a good case anymore. Yeah. Um, and so it does get voluntarily dismissed opening up that spot for, you say, another case that's... that's uh... And I, I can't even imagine being an attorney that's, you know, you're just trying to get names, you're trying to get numbers up on your dockets, and all of a sudden, Monday morning, you get a call from all of the leadership on speaker phone <laughs> chewing you out. You know, what the hell are you doing filing this case? You got to get it out of here. You're going to ruin it for all of us. Yeah, it's, I think there's probably been calls like that. I'm pretty confident there are. And you, you mentioned this earlier of how they ask 
people to not file those cases. Yeah. Don't file the bad ones, but people still do it. So why, why is that? They With the higher numbers, you have a chance getting on leadership. Does it sound like that was one of the possible? There is that. And then I think that, that you know, there have been times where if you file the case, everybody gets, they, they think they're going to get something, even if it's a small amount, mm. and they're willing to do it for that. Yeah, I think it's gotten pretty tough and that, you know, you, if you don't meet certain criteria, you're not going to get paid anything. Yeah. Um, but I think some people are like, what the heck? You know, if we don't get money, we don't get money. We file them all. Uh, we can always dismiss it if we have to start spending a lot of money uh, yeah. uh, litigating it. Um, I mean, we were always, um, we have always been very careful about that because, you know, you don't want to get stuck with a, a case that you can't yeah. win. It's, it's like not fishing good. with dynamite. I mean, you're just throwing everything out there, hoping to God something comes up. Well, I think probably fishing with dynamites is a little bit more productive. Yeah, that's true. I'm trying to think of a better analogy. <laughs> I'm not good with analogies. As... Well, so I like that one. But, but you guys, uh, So yeah. you guys are more careful with it, though. You want to make sure that the cases that you do take are ones that you... Yeah, I mean, it's not doing anybody any favors. I mean, yeah. you know, the attorney's spending money getting in medical records. Well, although sometimes people, you know, some of these people don't even do that till the very last minute. Um, but, you know, it's not good for the client. I mean, you tell them, oh, you know, we're going to take your case. They have certain expectations, yeah. reasonably so, and they don't think you're wasting their time and giving them false hope. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's not good for anybody. Well, and that's kind of the whole setup of, you know, a, a personal injury attorneys not getting paid unless they win is because it's in the attorney's best interest to not waste the client's time, right? right because, yeah. I mean, they're ti- they're, you're not getting paid unless it is a good case, unless it gets and, and it's successful. Yeah, you're wasting your time and your money yeah. and the client's time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I didn't realize there was so such th- these dynamics existed and almost kind of politics behind the scenes with oh, the leadership on political. both sides. Very political. Um, and and I can't even imagine being a judge on some of these cases. I mean, your decisions. It's one thing where you have you know these large cases of you know one two you know even if you have ten uh, defendants or victims whatever it is. But I mean, the decisions that they are making are affecting thousands and thousands of people. People. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a serious job. Yeah. Well, that, that's interesting. Uh, definitely. I mean, if you have hernia mesh, if you've had any uh, surgeries along those lines, definitely highly recommend reaching out. Uh, if you don't know the type of hernia mesh that you have, we'll figure it out. And it's not just one brand that are having these problems. There's a lot of brands, a lot of um, substances and materials that are used that shouldn't be used. A lot of issues coming up. Some of them uh, taking a long time to really come up. And even if it's a small problem now, later down the line, it could be a very big problem. That's a really good sum- summation. You should <laughs> be an attorney. A, that's what I'm here for. You know, <laughs> summarize, ask the good questions. Excellent. Uh, um, going, Moving on, though, we have, I mean, we're kind of coming a little bit to a close here. Uh, I don't know if you want to get into some interest, interesting cases in the news, if anyone's ha- any have popped up in this last week that uh, – you know, might be kind of extra interesting to listen to. Well, there's lots of interesting things in the news. Always problems with the drugs and dangerous products. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that people have probably seen in the news lately is there's a class action and just a lot in the news about the fact that these decongestants are completely useless. Oh, that, I've heard right. rumblings of this. Yes, yeah. And so, and it's a bunch of different brands, a bunch of products, things that I've used, and quite frankly, I always thought they were... they cured me. Uh, but, but so, so the active ingredient, this phenyl, phenylephrine, hmm. phenylephrine, 
Yeah, I have a hard time pronouncing that. Anyway, it's so there's there's two ingredients they usually use: this phenylephrine or the pseudoephrine, pseudoephedrine. And the pseudoephedrine is the one that they keep behind the counter yeah. because it can be used to make crack. That's the good mouth. stuff. Yeah. Well, but it is the good stuff in probably a variety of ways. No. But it is the good stuff in the fact that it is effective. But this other is absolutely not effective. And they have been selling $1.8 billion worth of it last year. Big dollars. Big dollars. It's in all kinds of products, Benadryl, Sudafed, Mucinex, Tylenol cold and flu, NyQuil. Sudafed, wait, so there's one that's behind the counter that's called Sudafedronol. Right, so there's Sudafed PE. That's the one that's, so all of the ones that are over the counter. Yeah, have have the. Yeah, they they have the ineffective. Yeah. Yeah, they have so so the Sudafed PE, Mucinex, Sinus Max, yeah. Tylenol, cold and flu, Nyquil, severe cold and flu, Theraflu, severe cold and flu. I see. So I mean, even the Mucinex stands out to me because they had some fantastic uh, advertising. For oh yeah, the little gunky guy, the gunky the, guy in your nose, and their evil guy, and he's yelling at him. He's like, no, no, holding under your nose hairs, please no. And then he flies <laughs> out, and it's like, wow, I, you know. I could use some of that. That sounds nice. Yeah. But it's so weird, too, because whenever, like, Peter and I have gotten sick, I mean, we just, we, that NyQuil, severe cold and flu stuff, you know, you can get the day one that's that's orange and the night one that's blue, and you, yeah. and we'll take that, and it'll knock us out, and we always feel better. I mean, well, I Well, isn't that, I mean, that's for not just congestion, that's for fever and, and, and a lot of other things. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times we take it for the congestion because, you know, you can't sleep because you can't breathe. Um, um, I just mouth breathe. <laughs> no big deal. Fly goes by straight to the back of the throat. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's it's kind of crazy that they and, and, and so the, the lawsuit is alleging that they've known since 2018 that this is basically completely useless, just like a sugar pill doesn't do anything. Wow. And, you know, and you've seen the ads, you know, how, how they rant and rave about how great they are and all of the commercials. The Claritin. Well, I can see clearly now. <laughs> the da, da. I don't know what it is, but it's like, you know, someone super sniffly and then all of a sudden and they can finally breathe, and then there's flowers. I think that's an allergy medication, but but similar, similar, same same kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, it was kind of outrageous. And and so there's a class action. It'll be an economic thing because it's not like there's going to be people who are injured and died and that sort yeah. of thing. So it's not going to be the PI cases. But, um, you know, $1.8 billion that they made in one year selling completely useless products to people. It's just outrageous. So so there's definitely invest- investigations going on, and, and we'll see what happens with it. But it sounds like they've known for a long time, and what the heck, just keep selling it. I mean, it's crazy that people would continue to buy it, too. I mean, if there's something that really was just, you know, on the verge of a sugar pill that wasn't actually helping with these issues, you'd think, you know, after the first few times someone uses it, they're like, what the hell is the point? I'm not going to... Well, but you also think, well, maybe I'd be even worse if I wasn't taking it. And then you could just be like, like Peter and I always think like, oh, wow, that stuff was great. Um, And it wasn't. I mean, you know, and again, most of these placebo effect for sure. And then, you know, you do just generally get better from these things anyway. (laughs) Was it because you took it or would you have gotten better even not taking it? Who knows? You better play it safe and take it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, to the tune of $2 billion, $1.8 billion. Yeah. And yeah. so you mentioned that this is an economic case and not a PI case. And I think this is this is something that almost, it does confuse me sometimes because I see a lot of these ads. There's one that popped up recently um, about Fortnite, how, you know, if you've bought V-Bucks on Fortnite, you can claim your money back. Or there was the Vizzies and the Strawberries uh, from Costco that we, we talked about. I think that one was a little bit more extreme, though, um, where it's, it's generally used products that isn't, you know, causing any of these massive injuries uh, that, you know, a ton of people can claim that they, you know, used or that they lost money on that can claim from from this case. Yeah, but and so, but you you've got to be able to punish the companies that do this too. Yeah. And just because it didn't kill anybody, it still basically stole money from all of us, yeah. right? And so they're asking for I think five, I say five million dollars, um, to you know compensate people. Five million? That's they made a billion in a single year, more than a billion, and then we're asking for five million. I know that does sound really low, doesn't? it? Let me just look at this and make sure that I'm right on that because it sounds. Ridiculous. <laughs> say it. I'm like, wait a minute. They've got the wrong attorney. Oh no, it says the suit seeks uh, more than five million in, in damages. Yeah, I mean, for the amount of people that are buying and using those products, and for how long? What they knew since 2018, I think you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, they've known for years and years. They've been selling this product, making billions of dollars, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of Americans have been buying this every cold and flu season. Oh yeah. And five million bucks. And especially during COVID, man, I was like. Stocking up. Fuck, you divide that out among everyone, and that's like maybe a tenth of a single box of one. Yeah, that's nuts. Well, yeah, they, they should be asking for more, but that $5 million apparently is what they're asking for. Um, and this was falling because the NFDA report came out this past yeah. week, which basically said it was it was ineffective. So, so are, are they going to continue to sell this? Because, I mean, there's so many brands, you know, the, just the ones that you mentioned, but you go into a cold and flu section at Walgreens, CVS, and most of it mentions congestion. It, it's in big, bold letters. I mean, are these products going to change their advertising? Are they going to be taken off shelves? Are they just going to continue doing this? Well, there's a whole investigation is ongoing right now, but I suspect that they're not going to be selling them anymore, and they're not going to be allowed to sell the ones that have this product or, or this phenyl, phenylephrine in it, hmm. phenylephrine. Yeah. yeah, and so, I mean, I can tell you for sure. I'm, I mean, and, and I have at times gone to, you know, gone to the actual pharmacy window to get the other kind of Sudafed, um, but it's like a pain in the butt. You know, you've got to give your ID and, you yeah. know, that whole, the whole hoopla to make sure that you're not buying too much, so you're not, like, making crack in your garage Well, it's or from, uh, I mean, I'm familiar with it from Breaking Bad. That was yeah. the whole thing. They would have to go and get boxes and boxes of it. I don't even know how it really works. There's just a chemical in it, and then you right. crush it up, and somehow you can turn that into meth. Pseudo-pseudophedrine. Yeah, su- yeah, pseudophed. Pseudophedrine. Yeah, yeah. So that's the. So, I'm, but I'm gonna go get that that crack medicine next, yeah. time, next time. Next sure. time I've got I'm congested. That's where I'm going. And if you're gonna spend money, you might as well spend it on something that uh, is gonna <laughs> that actually make you might work. Better. Yeah, <laughs> and then if it doesn't, then hopefully you'll get more than a few bucks with this five million shit. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, so the, the the difference again is is the class actions. There will be a big pot of money, and people can uh, make make claims to yeah. get compensated if they've bought those products over the years. Um, but it's not, um, it, you don't have to file an actual lawsuit. You would no. just uh, make a claim. And usually the claim is just like sending in a receipt or something along those lines. And then, but I mean, again, it, 5 million and, and a lot of these aren't going to 
make people even. Make people well, no. Old. And I mean, who has receipts either? I don't have, I don't know how many of those I've bought over the years. I just know that I've bought them. Yeah. You know, there's a few in our medicine cabinets now, but yeah. Yeah. So anyway, just some more bad actions. That's interesting. I mean, those, um, we'll probably be talking about those type of cases more often. I do kind of want uh, maybe one of these future shows to go over some of the big ones that people, I see advertising all the time. And I think oftentimes they're, they're, they're advertising to uh, young adults. I mean, there's a lot of, like, like I mentioned, Fortnite, there's a big yeah. lawsuit going on with them and with the V-Bucks and returning that. Um, there's a big thing going on with Steam. Which is Steam is like a uh, essentially a gaming marketplace where if you play a PC game, it's probably off of Steam, and so there's a massive similar suit where you know you're not actually suing someone, but there's a pot of money that you can claim. Right. Um, and so I think it'd be interesting if we we did a little bit of a deeper dive into those type of cases down the line. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, very very interesting. Um, we are kind of coming to a close, like I said here. Do we yeah. want to kind of touch on some of the questions and comments that we've had? Sure. Yeah, let's do that. We can always talk about more news next week. Um, so <laughs> we've got a lot of comments and questions about the McDonald's, uh, the hot fry case that we talked about um, a couple of weeks ago. And before that, we had talked about the hot nugget case. Um, and, you know, people having very strong opinions, which is good. Yeah. Absolutely. Feel free, have strong opinions. It's excellent for our, our algorithm. Um, but one of the questions that came out of that, so a lot of people feel like it's a stupid lawsuit and it's, you know, ridiculous that a parent would sue because their child was injured and just person after person was saying, hey, you know, what about the parent? Shouldn't the parent be ch testing the food and making sure that it's hot, uh -huh. that it's not too hot and it's not going to injure their child? And I agree with that. Um, you know, I mean, I think it's, I think there's both things going on there. I mean, the food shouldn't be ridiculously hot that it's going to injure somebody if you accidentally drop it because yeah. people do accidentally drop things. Yeah. Um, but also test the food before you give it to your child. Yeah. So, um, but so one of the questions that came up out of that is people thought that it was a stupid lawsuit and they were saying, can, you know, what's the story? Can you just sue for anything and everything? Um, and the answer to that is, well, you could, but it would be really, you'd be really stupid to do that um, because you, there are sanctions. Um, it, that would be called a frivolous lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And if you saw, file a lawsuit where you don't have a good basis for it, um, it's going to be a big waste of your time and your money and can be very expensive. You're going you're gonna to file, pay the filing fee to start with, and then you can get sanctions and you can have to pay the other side's attorney's fees. And sanctions, can you explain that? So sanctions me? is like a punishment by the yeah. court, like a monetary punishment where the mm -hmm. court says, you know what, you filed this case and you had no good faith basis to file it. You wasted my time as the judge. You've wasted the other side's time. They've had to pay attorney's fees. Yeah. So you're going to have to pay them back for the time and the money that they spent defending this case. It's like fines, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely like fines. And so, so the point of the matter is that you're going to have, if, if you want to bring a stupid lawsuit, I mean, you can go file it on your own. Good luck with that. Not a good idea. Don't recommend it. Yeah. Um, you know, but if you go to a lawyer, um, you're going to have a hard time getting a lawyer to do that because the lawyer then knows that they are potentially going to be wasting their time, wasting yeah. their money. And the lawyers get sanctioned too. Yeah. I was going to say, are there bar sanctions? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's generally monetary sanctions, yeah. but if you continue to do that, there could be an ethical issue as well, mm -hmm. which then could bring in the bar, could affect your license. So, you know, no, I mean, the answer, the straight up answer is sure people can, yeah. you know, and there are a lot of people, I mean, I've you know, known some people who were particularly litigious and they would just file things right and left 
you know, pro se, which means filing it without a lawyer. Um, and man, <laughs> those are some crazy, some crazy cases. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine if, if they're willing to kind of go off the rails and, and not even, you know, reach out to an attorney. And if there's a case that attorneys aren't taken, but they're like, screw it, I'm just going to go at it solo. I can imagine mm-hmm. how crazy they could be. Well, and a lot of those times it's because maybe they have talked to an attorney. An attorney said, no, this isn't a valid case. It's not a viable case. I'm not going to file it for you. And they can't find somebody. So they just decide they're going to file it on their own and they don't understand the law. And I mean, they're given a lot more leeway than an attorney who yeah. does know the law and has filed a case anyway. Um, so, so, you know, these cases, I, I understand that some people think that they're stupid, but for example, the, the hot nugget case, um, that was a viable case. Um, one, if the defense thinks it's not a viable case at the beginning, they can file a motion to dismiss sometimes or a motion for summary judgment. Sometimes cases get dismissed before they get to trial. That one did not. It went to no. trial. And then ultimately they awarded $800,000. So a jury who heard all of the information mm-hmm. um, from both sides found that that was served too hot and it was a dangerous situation. Um, so I guess the answer is that's not a frivolous case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I think it, it all started with the hot coffee with McDonald's, right? Which is kind of just such a hot topic, um, kind of hot topic topic, right? I yeah. mean, everyone really wants to talk about it. Everyone thinks it's outrageous on, you know, on both sides. When you really start hearing about the details, we covered it in one of our right. episodes, uh, going into detail of just how hot that coffee was, how unreasonable it was for it to be served that way. Um, and, and they, it was a massive settlement, right? I mean, I don't know if right, the yeah. amount off the top of your head, but well, it was really massive and then it got knocked down lower. It was still a lot, but you know, you have to think too, um, yes, we all know that food is hot, but when the whole thing with, with the drive throughs I mean, when you're handing people food, when they're driving, they're driving through the drive through they're leaving. I mean, people do drop things, people do spill things. Yeah. And so if it's so ridiculously hot that you're going to have three to third degree burns and you're going to have to have mm-hmm. skin grafting, that's not what you expected when you, when you went through this drive through and bought this product. Um, but yes, be careful. Yes, take precautions. But we all know that that can happen. Yeah, and, and playing devil's advocate here because I did see a lot of the comments going down and a lot of blame going on the parents. And you know, like you said, there's kind of there's definitely two sides to both to everything. Um, is there any? any concerns or any repercussions for the parents? I mean, I understand this food is being served hot, but I would also, if I was the defense, say, you know, maybe they aren't taking care of their kid. They aren't keeping their eye on it, right? Is there any anything along those lines of them lacking um, the responsibility and ability to, to actually care for this child and, and putting him at risk? Well, sure. I mean, and I think that's, you know, the arguments that would be made at court too is that, you know, so maybe McDonald's has some percentage of responsibility, but how much percentage of responsibility is on the parent? Yeah. And what did the parent do to ensure that before they handed that food to their child that it was, mm-hmm. you know, at a reasonable temperature? Um, so, so yeah, but I mean, there's, it, it would be comparative faults and, and, you know, I, I mean, I saw some people like going on and saying that CPS should be called and that sort of thing. I mean, if CPS gets called when you take your kid through the McDonald's drive-thru, we've got some issues. Well, I mean, I think if, if the, you take your kid through the McDonald's drive-thru and they come back with third-degree burns, <laughs> then it's, 
it's a little different, but I, I do think it's a really interesting case. And, you know, we love bringing it up because uh, we know that it's interesting. It's interesting because of the history that McDonald's has with cases. It's interesting because, um, you know, everyone really wants to hear about it. And these are kind of the cases that people think are absurd or crazy, the coffee case, and then end up when you really look at it being valid. And when you start going through the nitty gritty, when you start, uh, you know, seeing both sides to it. Uh, but oftentimes people don't do that type of research and they just kind of see that headline and, and, jump and they and react, react instantly. Yes. Lots, lots of reactions, <laughs> reactions, but, um, no, we appreciate all the comments and, and the outrage and the sympathy on both sides that people are feeling. We definitely want to hear it. Um, and if anyone has any questions, I mean, the, the question about frivolous lawsuits, I think is, is really interesting. And I think that's a big concern that a lot of people have. Yeah. It gives, you know, attorneys kind of a bad rap if they, think that you know you can just throw a lawsuit for for anything and get a few bucks which it just isn't the case and if anything it's not only going to cost you fees but you'll be sanctioned and it's cost you even more Um, but if anyone does have any questions feel free to throw them down in the comments and um, send us an email to podcast at showeredlaw.com i think we are coming to a close is there anything else you want to touch on before we send it off I don't think so. I think we're good for tonight. Awesome. Well, I do want to thank everyone for tuning in and hanging out with us. Another week, another show. We'll be back next week, same time, with a fantastic episode. We got something lined up, um, and we'll be throwing out some content on Facebook, on TikTok, and Instagram. Definitely take a look over there. Our Facebook has been going kind of crazy. It's been going kind of crazy. <laughs> We've been getting a good amount of views, a good amount of comments. We appreciate all the feedback and interaction. Uh, like I said, throw in the questions, and they don't even have to be questions. Sometimes they can just be stories, things that you experience. And if you want us to talk about it, if you want us to go into in some depth or anything like that, you know, let us know, and we can do our research and have a good conversation about it. Uh, but with that being said, I hope everyone has a fantastic week, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Prioritizing profit. Prioritizing, prioritizing profit. Dangerous drug and product cases.